Well, I am more than thrilled to be here, and I just want to just begin by saying how much I love you. Uh, I, I found in preaching and in pastoring through the years that you have some churches that you go and spend time with, and you think, yeah, they were nice, but I'm glad to be moving on. Uh, uh, but my time to be here with you was, there was a connection in my spirit with you. Now, I already know that I already sound weird, and some of you are saying, where is he from? And uh, so I pastor in Mississippi, and I'm not a native Mississippian. I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Kansas City, uh, Missouri, and it's Missouri, not Missouri. I was on that side of the <laughs> argument. Um, and um, so, but I've pastored in Mississippi now 18 years. I'm not a native, so I'm not really considered a Mississippian um, because you have to basically uh, grow up there to be considered one. But I love pastoring the church. I pastor, I love the people. And uh, I just want to just say this real quick to begin with. Uh, I was here in November of 2019 and had such a joy to be here with you. It was so fun. I couldn't wait. I already told Jonathan, hey, man, let's just book it to come back. And then 2020 came. And when I heard what was happening in New York, my heart broke. I've prayed for you more. I've wept for you, knowing what you were going through. Talked with Jonathan, and we had issues in our church, obviously, as are everywhere, but whenever I heard what was happening, and, and, and it wasn't just that, well, those people in the Northeast, it was New Hope, and it was the people that I'd fallen in love with. And so I just want you to know that there was somebody in Mississippi praying for you and wanted to encourage you uh, that many of our people prayed as well as I talked about you guys a lot. So I just wanted to just share that with you. Again, um, I, I don't think I have a Southern accent, but I know you think I have a terrible Southern accent. And I just want to say, well, just come on to Mississippi and you'll go, you know, he really doesn't have a southern accent. <laughs> um, so just a little bit about me as we get started, because I just want this to be an awesome time that we're together. Um, my wife, Kathy, couldn't come. I was wanting her to come, but we have a lot of grandkids now. She and I have been married for 42 years, and uh, yeah, it's awesome. I caught her when she was six, and I was seven. No, just kidding. We were in college, and... Uh, we met there, and when I first saw her, I said, I want to know that one, and I was love at first sight for me. We have three sons who are married. As a matter of fact, uh, here's, I just wanted you to see a picture of my family. I think they're going to put it up. Yeah, so this is my family, and the boys, the, the ones, I'm, I'm the shortest of the guys, and so Kevin, my oldest son, is on the left side. My middle son, Brian's on the right. Caleb, my youngest, is in the middle. And their wives are there. My wife is standing right next to me. That's Kathy. And then our seven grandkids. We have an eighth one that will be here in June. So we, uh, at that time, we'll have four boys and four girls, and they are so fun. Now, we, this was taken last September, and then every Christmas we get together, and one of the things when we come together at Christmas, we have a kind of a tradition that we do. We've got these little things that we pop open, and they got little crowns in them. And then we take a picture. I think they've got a picture of us in there. Have you got that? There it is. That's our family picture of us at Christmas. 
just uh, having a great time together. And I just want to show one more real quick. This is just, we thought, well, I'd let you see the one of us and our seven grandkids, and they are so fun. We have such a great time with our grandkids, and God has been so good to us. Um, I had another milestone that I passed um, in September of 2021, and that was on September the 20th of 2021, I celebrated 40 years of being saved. I was 22 whenever I gave my life to Christ, and um, I grew up in church. I knew the church rules and regulations. I knew all the church stuff. I got a phenomenal mom and dad. Our, my mom passed away in 2008, but just had great parents. But uh, you can know a lot about Jesus and not know Jesus. And when I met Jesus, I met the love of my life. Now, I was already married, but I met the love of my life. And whenever I say that, that makes some people nervous, but it's the way I say it. I found out early on that he loves my wife more than I do. And if my love for him is the focus, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that he, through me, will love my wife much more than I ever could. And so it's been an awesome journey, and we're going to step into a time. And, and what I'm going to do is we're going to go on a journey together over the next few days. And I want to encourage you. I know it's hard to come. I know that uh, I think tomorrow are the kids out of school. Is that right? Tomorrow? Is that right? Yeah. I'm sorry. I just, for every parent here, you're like, oh, I mean, I get it, you know, but, um, but if you get a chance and can come back, I'm going to walk with you and I've, I'm just going to, I've just called the whole four time, days of we're going to be walking together, stepping into God's more. Stepping into God's more. That there is so much more that God wants to do in your life, that he wants to do through your life, that he wants to take you into. There is more that's there. Whenever the Apostle Paul says, not that I have already attained or arrived, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, I'm pressing on. Toward, if, if the Apostle Paul can say that, I think you and I probably have more that we need to walk into. And so I'm going to walk with you and help you to see over the next few days how we can get there, because I believe that's what God has for us. As a matter of fact, we're going to be in uh, Numbers and the, and the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 14. But as you're thinking about that, and maybe some of you have Bibles want to go there, I'm going to have the, the scriptures up on the screens if you don't have a Bible here. But if you do, or I think you've got them there in front of you, we're going to be looking at those. But just to begin with, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says this. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And look at what it says, who has blessed us in Christ, notice what it says, with every spiritual blessing. Did you hear that? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God says, I am ready to blow you away with blessing. And so tonight, what we're going to be sharing is what I've just titled this message is God's blessings of more. And again, we're going to be in Numbers chapter 14, looking at nine verses there. And so I've got kind of a main idea for, for tonight's message that I want you just to write down. I call it kind of my one thing. Um, and, and I really, this is where I get this. So I was a math major uh, in college and was in computers for years and worked in business for 12 years before went in the ministry. And then whenever I went in the ministry, I had to start learning other languages and I had to learn how to write. 
And so one of the things I learned about writing was that I needed a thesis statement, a statement that kind of, this is what I'm saying, and then everything else followed. So this is kind of, if you want to say, my thesis statement for what we're looking at in God's Word. So just write this down. It's just simply this statement. When you seek God's best, you will live as God's blessed. When you make it your ambition, your ambition in life to seek God's best, not to settle for just, you know, kind of going along to get along, not settling to just have a ticket that you received to one day get to heaven, but you're saying, God, I believe that Jesus died on a cross, not for me to just one day get to heaven, but he says he has come that I might have life and have it in abundance. And whenever we come to that, whenever we come to that place where we say, okay, I believe that there is so much more and I want to step into the so much more, then here's what I found. Whenever I'm seeking God's best. I'm not settling. When I'm seeking that I have found that I will begin living as God's blessed. Now, what tonight, we're going to be going and walking through a very, very familiar story. If you know really much about your Bible, you will know probably this story. And it's about the exodus of the children of Israel and their journey as they were taken out of slavery and they were going to be going on a journey. Ultimately, God's plan for them was his best, a blessing that he wanted to give them. In fact, it was a promise that he had made and the promise was so real and so powerful and so certain that he even called it the promised land. But on the way, they had to go on a journey Because you see, what they had to do was they had to move out of a slavery mindset and move into a blessed mindset. And let me tell you, that is not easy. For us in America, really for Christians or for people in the world, and I just tell our people this all the time, that we are all born because we are born with the image of God's stamp on us. The Bible says that we have stamped on us. Eternity is stamped upon our hearts. You know, and it's, it is the difference between us and animals. It is the difference is that an eternity stamp upon us. You're never going to be driving down the road in Mississippi on some lane out in a rural area and come over a hill and you're going to see a bunch of cattle over there worshiping something. You're not going to see that ever. That's never going to happen because they don't have that image of God's stamp. But it doesn't matter where you go. I've been around the world and I've been to places that are so remote you can't imagine and been around people that, that are just living in, in ways that I didn't know people lived in grass huts like that. And it doesn't matter where I go, whenever I go there, though every place I've ever been and literally can go anywhere in the world, people are worshiping something. It may be a rock. They're worshiping something because it is on us. It's in us. It's a reality. And so, so in that, that is the, they, they were in a slave mindset. They had a mindset that, that we have over here on this side. And, and so when we come out of that, in which religion, by the way, the default of humanity is religion. And religion says, I've got to work my way to God. And God says, you're never going to work your way to me. There's no hope to work your way to me. That's why we have grace. But he has to take us out of that 
enslaved slavery mindset. And then he starts us on a journey to say, I want you to learn how to trust me because I have blessings that I want to release in your life that are far beyond anything you could ever imagine. And so as he was taking them on that way, just think of some of the things that he had already done by the time we get to Numbers chapter 14. He had already taken and sent Moses, the deliverer, he had sent him to Egypt. He had done those 10 plagues on the Egyptians and honestly on their gods was who those plagues were against. He had parted the Red Sea, and then he had covered up the Egyptian army that was coming after them. They began to see unbelievable things. Whenever they came into one area, the water was bad, and so he made the water sweet. Whenever they were in another place in the wilderness, and they said, I don't even know how we're going to live, and he sends manna every morning to feed them. The Bible says, literally, it says God was taking care of them at every turn. He was everything he was doing. As a matter of fact, they came to one place, and there wasn't any water, and they thought they were going to lose their mind, and so he tells Moses, he said, hey, I want you to take, and I want you to strike that rock, and he brought water from a rock. Now, I don't know about you, but if I saw God do something like that, I don't think I would have a problem believing that's the one I want to follow. He'd done all these incredible miracles. They had already seen these things. They had even had the moment already had happened whenever they came to the mountain, and as they were at the mountain, all of a sudden, fire came down on the mountain, and God spoke to them the Ten Commandments. I mean, they heard the voice of God and freaked out because they were like, we're going to die because God just spoke. They'd already been there. Already seen all those things. They were already knew those things. But even with all of that, God had so much more for them. So much more that he wanted to do in them and through them. I just want to say this, that, that tonight and as we walk into this, I believe this for you. I believe that God has led me to this. That I believe that many of us here are standing in what I call threshold moments. Now, you know what a threshold moment is. A threshold moment is when you go from being one place that you cross over into another place. It's kind of like whenever a couple gets married, you know, when they get married and the husband takes and he carries his wife. And what he's saying in that is he's saying, we were living in one way. Now, they're already married. We're living in one way, but we're about to step in and begin this new family together. We're going to step into what God intended for us, and, and that's a threshold moment. You find that a lot of times whenever a business starts, and they have and they cut, have a ribbon cutting. The business has already been running, but they have a moment whenever they say, we want to mark this. Well, in this, I believe that God says to us, and I believe he's wanting to say to you, you're, many of you here are in a threshold moment. You're in a moment where you've been at a place where you know there's got to be more. You just know what you're, as, you're as, a, as a believer, you just know in here, if this is what it is, I'm just struggling whether this is really worth it. But inside of you, you know there's more. You know it. I'm not talking about just simply health, wealth, and happiness stuff. I'm talking about a, a life that has a peace no matter what's happening, a joy that is literally unspeakable, full of glory that the Bible tells about, a, a love for people that you would never love otherwise. It's, it's so much more, and you're saying, I want that. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be walking through this, and so there's going to be some things I want to share with you as we walk into this uh, this afternoon. And so the first thing we're going to do, if you have your outline, just want to write it down, is, uh, is just write this down. There's going to be, first of all, three things to know. Three things we need to know as we step into this. Okay? Now, let me just tell you that whenever I was started preaching, I didn't give outlines because just, so let me tell you why I didn't. I didn't do it because I'm incredibly analytical. I was a math major. 
And, I'm, and I began to notice that whenever I got to the last point, everybody started closing their Bibles and putting everything up because they knew. And I'm like, well, wait a second. Now this is what I'm, this is the, like the, the cross the line kind of thing, you know? And so I thought, I'm not going to give them an outline. And then my wife, after a few months, she said, David, you're going to have to give outlines. I said, why? Because people can't keep up. They're writing it on their arms. They're writing it in their legs. You know, they're just writing everywhere, writing on their kids, you know, and stuff. And so you've got to start. So, so just put up with my outlines if you're okay. I hope it helps you. Um, so the three things to know. Here's the first thing to know that we're going to find in this story, okay? The first thing to know is this. The Lord has opened the blessings for more. That's the first thing I want you to know. That the Lord has, he's already opened the blessings for more. Okay? And so I want us to, I want us to look at this story, and as we, as we begin this, we're going to we're going to start, we're going to kind of go back to get a little bit beginning to come into this. And, and it's found in Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 through 2. And so I want you to listen to this, and I want you to listen to what God says to the people in Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 through 2. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. Now, I want you to, deserve, to observe what he said. He said, send the spies to observe what I'm giving the people. He didn't say, I want you to send some spies to see if you guys have a chance to, to take this land. He said, I want you to send them to see how good I really am. I want you to send them to observe this amazing land that I'm giving the people. And I want them to be the chiefs of there because when they come back, they're going to say, you're not going to believe what he's given. It's, it's beyond anything you can imagine. That's what they were sent to do. He wanted them to know, I've already given you the land. You're just not there yet. But it is already yours. The Lord has already opened up these things to us. The Lord has already given to us these things. The Bible talks about the blessings of joy and peace and purpose and power. And, and he wants to give us all those, but he also gives them in the midst of trials and difficulties and brokenness because we live in a fallen world. We're not yet there. But while we're here, we can walk in things that this world cannot comprehend. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He's talking about now. We can walk in this. But he also, along with that, talking about this abundance of life, he also said in John chapter 16, verse 33, he said, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. And then remember what he says. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. No matter what comes your way, you can take heart because Jesus says, I've already overcome it. I'm going to bring you a peace in the midst of some struggles, but know this, that is the more that God has, and it's so much more that he wants to give us. So the first thing that we're looking at is that, that the Bible tells us in this story we're going to be walking through is that the Lord has opened up the blessings for more. The second thing I want you to see, and this is important, is I want you to see this, and that is that you need to know is that people will obstruct the blessings to more. There are going to always be people that will be obstructions to you walking in more. 
They will always be everywhere you go. You're going to be faced with people who will always attempt to block God's blessings that he has for you. It, it's, it's one of the things you're going to see. And so we're going to see in their story, I'm just going to give you three things. They're not in your outline. If you want to write them down, you can. If you don't, I get it. But what, what are some of the things that happen? And so let me just give them to you, some of the obstructors to, to walking in the blessings. First of all, deceived leaders. Deceived leaders will obstruct the blessings to more. Listen to what it says in Numbers chapter 14, verse 1. It says, Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. Why did they do that? Why were they weeping? I mean, the guys had just come back from 40 days of what God says, I want you to go and see what I'm giving you. Well, here's what the Bible says. Numbers chapter 13, verses 27 through 28. And they told him, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, these are what people will do. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified, very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Their task, was not to, their task that they went was not to give their opinion, but give their observation. They decided they wanted to give their opinion. We can't take the land. That was never what God intended for them to do. Let me just tell you, after I got saved, I was 22, and, um, and, and man, it, I was radically changed. I mean, it was crazy change. As a matter of fact, um, I, I lived in Tennessee and would, had, was still in college, and I remember, um, back that up, I just graduated from college and was working for a little company there and, and was in a little church, and so I'd just gotten saved. I was so fired up, man. I couldn't wait to talk to people about Jesus, and and uh, nobody wanted to go talk to people about Jesus. It was like, that's your make. I was making them nervous. I wasn't trying to. I was just happy and excited. And so we had a guy in our church that had moved there from Los Angeles, California. Now, I know that, that New Yorkers think Mississippians are a little bit odd, but let me just tell you, when you're living in West Tennessee and somebody from Los Angeles, California has moved there, it's just different. The guy's name was Connie, which nothing wrong with that, except he had a handlebar mustache, literally, literally. This is no lie, like this. And so I'm like looking for somebody that'll go knock on doors in a little town called Milan, Tennessee, the town my wife grew up in. And, uh, and so I, and he goes, I'll go. I said, let's do it. And so neither one of us knew what we were doing. So you can just imagine, we had no training, but we just had a lot of fire, just no focus, you know what I mean? And so we'd walk up, knock on a door, and we go in, so people would come, and they're looking at us, of course, they'd look at him, and I would immediately have to say, hey, we're from the local Baptist church, and, and have to tell them that so they didn't think they were going to call the police on us or something, but um, or in Tennessee, West Tennessee, they might pull a gun out on me, so I didn't want to go there, but in that, I was like, uh, hey, listen, and I didn't know what to say, so I was like, hey, you know, do you know Jesus? Are you saved? I didn't know what else to say, you know, and they're kind of, well, and then, of course, in the, in the South, you're going to go, well, yeah, I'll go to church, and then, of course, what I learned quickly was they don't go to church, but they want to say they go to church, so I would typically say, oh, yeah, where do you go, and they'd name it, I said, you know, I know about that, so, now, who was that pastor's name? They don't have a clue, and that's where you'd catch them, but anyway, I would go, and we would do that, and, 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 and we would find that they really didn't know what they were talking about, but, but their task was to go and, to, and to, to, to not give their opinion, but to go and come in and literally give an observation. 
They said this in Numbers chapter 13, verse 31. Listen to this. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we are. Let me tell you what deceived leaders will tell you. They'll say, it can't be done. We don't do it that way. That's not the way it works. Listen, there are books written out on people's shelves, preachers pontificating about what God can't do, about how God doesn't do, about what God will no longer do. And when I got saved, all I wanted was him. And I made a decision because I just fell in love with the word of God. I love the fact that you guys are walking through God's word because I learned that this was where I found life. And I would go in here, and so I would start reading, and I'm reading about things that I didn't even know happened. I mean, I grew up in church, but I didn't know that, man, Jesus was healing people all over the place, and not just him, but I mean, the apostles were, and they would pray for people. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, why don't we do this? And deceived leaders will tell you, well, we just don't do those things anymore. And that's what they have there. They're going to always tell you it can't be done. We've never done it that way before. They're just stuck in a place where they have no courage. So deceived leaders, one of them, a second group are going to be a discouraged crowd. A discouraged crowd. You have deceived leaders, but you also have a discouraged crowd that are always going to be around. They're going to be obstructing the blessings. Have you ever had a time where, man, you've just been in the presence of God and you are just like almost walking two feet off the ground and then one of the other believers just literally mows you down? I mean, they don't mean to. It's just, you know, I don't know. It's like they were baptized in lemon juice or something. I don't know how to say it, but it's just they just have that. So let me just read Numbers chapter 14, verse 2. It says this, and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron the whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt or that we had died in the wilderness. Notice that they are focusing more on the problem than the provider. You ever been around those kind? That's what discouraged people will do. As a matter of fact, just kind of one of the things, you know this, this is pretty common. I just say it this way, discouraged people discourage people. They just do. If somebody is a discourager of your life, and I'm not saying that, you know, if somebody's being honest with you about it, I'm saying if somebody comes up to suck courage out of you, because that's what it is, is that discouragement is to remove courage. Encouragement is to give courage, to fill you with courage. But when somebody comes, every time you're around them, they're just sucking the courage out of you. It's because that's the life they're living in. That's what they walk in. So you have deceived leaders, you have discouraged crowd, but the third one is what I find a lot of times in my own life, and that is a doubting heart. These are obstructions that keep us from walking in the blessings that God has for us. These are obstructions that we find in our life that comes into our life. We have these, these deceived leaders that are going to tell us what can't happen. We're going to have a discouraged crowd around us that are going to always try to be pulling us down. But inside of us, we have constantly fight a doubting heart. Listen to Numbers chapter 14, verses 3 through 4. It says this, Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it, be, would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and we go back to Egypt. How many churches 
have I seen die on this right here. They were heading after God at one point, somewhere along the way. In fact, pretty much every church at some point along the way was heading after God. But somewhere along the way, they got hurt, they got nervous, they became fearful, and doubt just literally filled their heart. And what do they want to do? Let's go back to slavery. Let's go back into a place into Egypt. That's where they, they tend to find themselves, people that want to walk back there. Don't want, to, don't want to follow God. These are, these are people who are devoted to a point. They say, I'm going to follow God to a point, but I can't, I'm not going to go farther. Because, you know, faith has to take those steps in places where it doesn't look like there's a step. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8 say this. It says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and will be given. But, look at this, let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that has been driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That's what happens to us. We try to have one foot in the world. We want to be able to have him figured out, God figured out, but we still want to believe in God and we wind up wandering back to Egypt. And so as we're looking at these things, the, the first thing we talked about is the Lord has already opened the blessing. Second is that people will obstruct them. But let me give you the third one. Just write this down as a third thing we need to know, and that is you can obtain the blessings of more. You can obtain them. They are not unobtainable for you. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to tell you this. If you've given him your life, the same Holy Spirit that, lives, that lived in the Apostle Paul, that lived in the Apostle Peter, lives in you lives in me. And I found this about the Lord. He wants me to obtain those blessings more than I want to obtain those blessings. And what he says in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. You think about that, all those children of Israel that left, all those adults that left, only two, only two. It was was a given and a given gift to every one of them, but only two were willing to step in. Whenever, I told you my wife and I have our three sons, and and, uh, so my wife, I know I may have told you this when I was here before, but my wife had real strict... um, guidelines on what we named our kids. Um, with the last name Jet, I mean, she says it's got to be at least two syllables because it just doesn't sound right, even though my kids have not followed that rule. I guess my wife's okay with it, but um, anyway, we had to, have, they had to have be two syllables. It couldn't start with a J because she said they'll be called JJ. I don't want that. And, um, and so all these others. So our first son is named Kevin. Our second son is named Brian. And so with our third son, we had a name, and I'm pretty sure, I'm about 99% sure that we had the name Devin. And so he was born, and we said, okay, that name, because I'm thinking of what can make this meet her rules. I mean, there are just so many. And, um, and so, so we, we have him. This is an honest truth. So he's born day two. We put his little 
first little outfit on him, you know, and he's laying on this bed, Kathy's bed. And uh, he's laying there, and I'm looking at him, and the nurse brings in the little certificate to put his name on it, birth certificate. And I'm looking at him, and I look to Kathy, and I said, he doesn't look like a Devon. She said, well, I don't think so either. But what are we going to name him? And I had not thought about this till that moment. I said, I want to name him Caleb because Caleb took the mountain. And my son is 30 years old right now. He's in the ministry. But ever since he was a little boy, I've told him that story. I, at that time, you know, he'd roll his eyes, you know, at me whenever I'd tell him. But I told him that story because I said, God made you to be a world changer, one that's going to take the mountain. And because I, this is what I believe God has for us, that he wants us to obtain the blessings that he has for us. Again, what have I told you? The whole, what's our little thesis? When you seek God's best, you will live as God's blessed. So those are three things that we need to know. But let me give you this second part, and that is three things to do. So I, Brother David, that's great. What do I need to do? That's great. You've, you've expanded my intellect. Now, what do I need to do? Whenever we walk out of here, what do we need to do? Well, let me give you three things again. First of all, just write this down. Delight in God's provision more than retreating to past oppression. I know that's a big statement, but I want you to write it down. I'm going to give you time to write it. Delight in God's provision more than retreating to past oppression. Did you know all of us have a tendency to retreat to past oppression? We really do. If you were wounded as a child, if you were taken advantage of, if you've gone through difficulties, even when we look at all the blessings God has in front of us, many times we are drawn to retreat to that past oppression. Listen to what the Bible tells us in Numbers chapter 14. Let's look at verses 6 through 7. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and this was a sign of just literally broken over what was going on, and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. It's an exceedingly good. Notice what they're doing. They're focused on what God has before them, the provision that's there. They're keeping their focus forward instead of backward. Psalm 37 verse 4 says this, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Again, what I read earlier when we started Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. They are ours that we can walk in. So if we will delight ourselves in His provision and not continually focus, I've found this out. Man, the, last, the past always comes to want to try to haunt me. Wants to always, in fact, I've found that the past, every time I start stepping forward into the blessings, I hear this voice. That won't last. You know, or maybe you're like I am. I'm such a perfectionist in my own self that it, it was very hard for me to ever really believe that God would like me. I always felt like if I did more, if I pushed harder, then he would be proud of me. 
And, and I had to literally have him bring revelation to me that in my spirit, that that's not the way it works. That's not what grace is. That's what religion is. That's, that's Egypt. And so the first thing we need to do is delight in God's provision more than retreat to past oppression. The second thing that we need to do we're going to see in this story is desire God's promises more than listening to public opinion. Desire God's promises more than listening to public opinion. God's got these blessings out here. There's a land out there that's called the promised land. God says, I want you to walk into. I want you to step into more. I have so much more for you. And these promises that he's made to us, he wants us to walk in. Numbers chapter 14, verse 8, look at what he says. The the two, Joshua and Caleb, were saying, if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. This is the promise that he made. And if he made the promise, it doesn't matter what we think. It's a promise that he's made. We can walk in it because he's already said we can. The Lord had promised them the land of Canaan. He had made that promise. God's promises are so certain And the promise of that land was so certain, as I said earlier, that he's literally, they called it the promised land. I would say it this way. I've tried to think about this. What is it that he's given to us? And, And I would say that one of the ways you can look at it is that literally what he's given to us, the blessings God has for us, is a promissory note. It's like a promissory note that he's given to us. Let me explain what that is because I know you may be like me and say, I don't really know what that is. So let me just tell you what it is. A promissory note is a legal instrument in which one party promises in writing to pay a determinate sum to another, either at a fixed or determinable future time under specific terms. Let me just say this. The value of the promissory note is based upon the ability of the issuer to fulfill the promise. God's made a promise He's made promise to us as believers. He's made a promise to bring the blessings of his kingdom into our lives. He's made those promises. Psalm chapter 24 verse 1 just says, The earth is Lord and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. It all belongs to God. And he's made promises to us that he wants to give to us. As a matter of fact, when that next generation actually went into the land of promise, Joshua wanted to make sure they knew what God had done for them. In Joshua chapter 21, verse 45, he said this, Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. That's the God we serve. That's the God of the Bible. He's not one to make a promise and not give it. He's not not a promise just maker. He's a promise keeper. He's one that he not only makes them but keeps them. He says, I'm ready to release all these promises to you. The Lord has made a promissory note to bless us, and he signed it in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible tells us that all the promises of God are yes in Jesus. That's what we can walk in. 
Some of you may be here today and you may say, you know, I've never given my life to Jesus. Maybe you're like I was. You may have been around church stuff or maybe you've never been in church. But for whatever reason, you're here or somebody's brought you here and there's inside of you this thing that's saying, I know what he's saying and something inside of you is happening. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Here's what a promissory note from God is. This is a promise that he makes to you. If you're ready to give your life to Christ, Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promissory note that God has put in the writing of the blood of Jesus. Do you have a broken heart today? Psalm 147, verse 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. That's the promissory note from God, the God who's not just a promise maker, but a promise keeper. Are you overcome with worry and all the things that go with that? In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You hear the promissory notes that God has given or, 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 or any need that we have in our life. I love this verse. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God, and listen to what it says, will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. One of the things I've learned about that is if I have a need in my life, guess what? God already has the supply. He already has the supply. People's opinions will call you to less when the Lord calls you to so much more. God wants to give you so much more. And I had in my life, you know, for many, many years, I've had people in my life say different things to me. You know, when you've been in a Baptist church a lot, and, and I have, and I'm, and I'm not ashamed of that, it's just we kind of have a tendency to just kind of... and. You know, I would have people say, hey, listen, you're getting a little bit too excited. You're just getting a little bit too, and here's what they would say, you know, we don't need to be emotional. And, um, and I finally had had about enough of that. <laughs> and so I just said, in, in love but in clarity, I just said, uh, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where God says, hey, listen, you guys are just loving on me too much. You guys are getting a little bit too emotional about me. I need you to back away. I don't see that anywhere, but you know what I do see? I see the Bible says these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I just made a decision. I'm in. I want to, I want to know this God who has saved me. I want to walk with him. I want to walk in the, all that he has for me. So those three things we need to do, we need to delight in God's provision. That was the first thing, more than retreating back to past oppression. We need to desire God's promises more than listening to public opinion. But here we go. Third, you need to de- we need to depend on God's power more than worrying about potential opposition. Depend on God's power more than worrying about potential opposition. Let's look again at Numbers chapter 14, verse 9, and listen to what they said. You need some time to, everybody get that written down that wants to write it down. Numbers chapter 14, verse 9 says, Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear 
them. One of the rules and one of the realities I've learned is that we don't need to fear the enemy. He's already been defeated. I'll, I'll tell you this, I, and you don't know me well, and there'll be more you may find out later, but um, as I've told you, I was, I'm very analytical, but I believe the Bible. And I've had the opportunity for at least the past 30 years, well, it has been 30 years, uh, of, of helping people who have been overcome by demonic strongholds. And I didn't look for it. God started bringing it my way. And I learned a principle about the, about the spirit world and about especially the demonic world. And this is unbelievably true every time. When a demonic spirit knows that I really know that I have authority over him, they back away every time. I've never had one try to stand once they knew that I knew that. But if they don't think I believe that, man, they will put up a fight. They're like a spoiled kid. They'll just keep fighting and keep acting like they're a big deal, and they will make many, that's why many believers walk away and run away. But I'm telling you through the years, I've seen that so many times as we've been walking with God because they're already defeated in Christ. They're not afraid of me, but they're afraid of the Jesus in me. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. It's one of the realities that we find. The promise that was given that God had said about the power that he was going to give his people against the enemy in Joshua chapter 23, verse 10. It says this, one man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you just as he promised. I want to tell you about the promised land. There's giants in the land. The enemy does not want you to experience the more of God. Religion does not want you to walk in all that God has for you. And if I said that it was something that was easy, I would be lying to you. It's a walk of faith, but it's already yours in Christ. I've been doing this a long time. I've been walking with God and crazy walking with God, and I'm not saying I've arrived at all. I'm just saying I've run hard, and I want to encourage you about this. I've never had God let me down. I can't say it's been easy. I've had many times where I failed. I've had many times where things that I hoped would, would happen didn't. But God has always been honest and truthful, and he's always taught me. I've had many times where I thought, well, I failed, and, and he's used those times to teach me. I'm saying to you that over the next few days, I want to help you. Because I believe in all the mess that we're seeing happening in our nation. I believe this is the greatest time for the church in America that we have had in my lifetime. I live in the South in what's called the Bible Belt. Do you know where the Bible Belt started, by the way? Anybody know where the term Bible Belt started? Believe it or not, it started in the Second Great Awakening in upstate New York. That's where the term started. Whenever Second Great Awakening started and just before the Civil War, it started there and worked its way down. And the sad thing is, as, we've, as the church has gotten fatter and fatter, you know what happens when somebody gets fatter? The belt drops. <laughs> the Bible belt just keeps dropping south, you know what I mean? And, uh, 
But there where I live, one of the greatest dangers that I have to fight all the time is people want to rely upon, quote, America and what, you know, America can do for us. And if we could just get America to this certain place, then, oh, man, everything would be great. And I'm like, no. We are citizens first and foremost of heaven. God has assigned us to this nation not to live a comfortable life, but to be a light, to be the light that God has here. And I believe as our nation continues to get darker, that's when the light shines brightest. So I want to help you over these next few days. Amen? I want to pray for you, all right? And then I'm going to ask Jonathan to come, and or you got, you'll come, and however we're going to end it, all right? So let me pray. Lord, I just thank you for this honor, and it really is, Lord, to me, an honor to be here with these amazing uh, just brothers and sisters that you've given me the honor and privilege to get to know a little bit. And Lord, I don't believe that you've put this set of messages in my heart just to fill up a few days. And Lord, the last thing I want to do is just add more to their busy, really over-busy schedule. And so, Father, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something. I want to ask you that as we're together, Lord, you would bring a, a fresh awakening in our hearts. I need it. Lord, I know that many are here and need it. And Lord, I pray that that fresh oil of your spirit will just pour over us. I pray, Lord, that, that you will take us into places that we've never been, that you will move us into a, as Jonathan said earlier, into a trajectory that leads us into blessings beyond our wildest imagination. And Father, I pray that um, when we walk away from this time we're together, we will all have been changed, not because of some guy from Mississippi or some sermons, but because you've been here and you've moved. I just want to just kind of say this. I believe, I sense it in my heart, I sense it, that you want that more. I know that some of you are already walking in a lot. I believe that some of you really want to step into that. Would you just tell the Lord that? Just tell him, say, I'm in. I don't know what in is, but I'm in. That's what I have to say a lot of times. So, Lord, I just pray for everyone who says that in their heart to you. I know you heard it. Lord, would you take us up on that? Take us in that place where we cross the threshold the threshold that's been holding us back, the threshold that keeps us bound up in, in other people's opinions, um, in just uh, the discouragement of wondering if you'd really step in. And Lord, that we would look forward to the truth of your word. Lord, I'm not asking them to trust me. I'm asking them to trust you because Lord, you really are the promise keeper. So, Lord, would you just guide us? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can email us at info at newhopeny.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for those outlets is New Hope NYC. Our website is newhopeny.org. If you are in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 164-2 Gothels Avenue in Jamaica, Queens. We're praying for you and we hope to see you soon.